Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. Hi, Ronsley. Welcome to Culture Factor 2.0. Holly Shannon, it's weird to see you and talk to you at the same time, isn't it? It's very weird because I've only looked at an avatar pretty much for months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's great. It's great to do this. So thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm really happy you're here. We we met on Clubhouse back in January, which seems like a lifetime ago, right? Right. Yeah. And um, I love the way we connected and we've kept it, we've kept it going ever since, right? It's one of those, um, um, I love collaborations like this and, you know, I hadn't done any of this in a long time. So it was, it was good to get back into the solopreneur entrepreneur collaboration. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's, you get some really good conversations out of stuff for sure. Yeah, we've been, um, I think we just started off by having conversations with people about podcasting and it evolved over time. And now you do or have been doing a weekly panel on two subjects, which are two of your podcasts. Um, so look at us just jumping right in the psychology of entrepreneurship and should I start a podcast? And um, I've been very thankful to be able to contribute to that, but they started um, as uh, just interviews, right? You just did interviews with people originally. It wasn't a panel setup. So maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I um, getting into Clubhouse, I think I would have done maybe, you know, 12, 13, 1400 interviews probably. Uh, by now I've done 1400 plus, I, I can't remember. Uh, I've stopped counting. Uh, I stopped counting out of 1200. I'm just assuming it's 1400 by now. Um, but on Clubhouse, the best thing is that it's not a, you know, an, as an interviewer, your interviews change over time. They get very deep. You can get to someone sold pretty quick because you've had so many conversations and you know how to ask questions and you know how to craft uh, a scenario that allows you to get the best out of someone and someone's um, life or someone's work or whatever. But on Clubhouse, uh, that all goes not necessarily out the window, but it's it's even better because you can have a deeper discussion as opposed to a deeper conversation. So I am enjoying that part of it. I'm enjoying the fact that, you know, we can discuss it and it can't just be two people agreeing with each other or 
two people going, oh, I like how cool you are. And the other person going, oh, yeah, I like how cool you are. And, um, you know, that, and, and then uh, it just sort of getting published. Um, and, and but on Clubhouse, it's like, you know, people in the crowd or people in the panel can, and it keeps everyone honest. It keeps the whole conversation uh, uh, topical. People don't want to say stuff in, in, in a crowd that, um, you know, they, they might say uh, by themselves, not realizing that it will get published later on. You know, there's all these different factors. So um, I've, I've loved um, Clubhouse and the growth that it's allowed me to just even moderate something like that is is a new skill that I've acquired for sure. I love that. I love that. So I know you really just don't want me to dig into all things Ronsley, but Culture Factor 2.0 and its new iteration where I talk very much into deeply now into freelancers, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, the gig economy, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call yourself, a founder, um, an entrepreneur, whatever. But I think that you um, really exemplify that and you were doing it before um, a good portion of the world was forced into it. A lot of people were furloughed due to the pandemic um, or decided pretty clearly being home that they were not going to go back. But you've been you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So um, I think a lot of people can learn from that. So I do want to go back a little bit. Um, we've talked a little bit about the two podcasts you have, you also had podcasts prior to that, right? You had Bond Appetit, correct? Correct. Yep. And since then, you've you've um, you've grown your business in a lot of different ways. So let me let me tell everybody if you're not going to. So Ronsley has a full audio marketing agency called Must Amplify. Um, along with a conference called We Are Podcast, which thank you, by the way, I, I did have an opportunity to speak at that. Um, you have an, a complete audiobook production agency called Library of Sound. You are the author of Amplify. Can I keep going? Yes, he's an international speaker and has been a TEDx speaker. Um, and I'm sure I'm leaving something out because you are always have your hands in something new. And I think being in the marketing world, it's hard not to always be creating something. Um, but you didn't get here by accident and it took a long time. So how long have you been in the business of marketing, podcasting, content building? Um, I, I, I smiled before because you said I've been, a, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time and I don't think so. I, or I don't even think I've been a podcaster for a long time because there've been people that have been podcasting for like, you know, I call them donkey's years. Uh, and I, and some of them, I, I call the Mount Rushmore faces of podcasting, you know, like the Dave Jackson's and the Rob Greenlee's who've kind of been around since the beginning of time, uh, almost, um, but an entrepreneur, my first business, uh, was a restaurant. And uh, it was because uh, people told me to, to monetize my passion and I've cooked for some of the most famous people on the planet and I've had some crazy experiences when people have eaten my food. It's weird to even talk about them because they're so like out there of people crying and people remembering the dead and it's just been just like out of, the, out of, out of this world, you know. Um, 
so I went and created a restaurant. Um, but, uh, you know, four years after having that restaurant, one day the locks were changed. We did uh, service overnight and the locks were changed. The next morning there was a legal battle and I had half of $478,000 of debt three months after being married to Rochelle. So my journey as an entrepreneur really started on that day, on the 26th of May. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> that is the true entrepreneur journey. Actually, a friend of mine at the time said something to me that hurt really badly, but he was, he was 100% right. He said he wanted to be an entrepreneur, so this is how you learn. Um, and when he said it, I was like, dude, that, like, I felt that kick in the gut, but uh, he, he was totally 100% right. Like, nothing can phase me now. What, what can you do? Like, I've come out of half a million dollars of debt, paid that off in two years and one month, and went on to create a million dollar agency. <laughs> I think that sounds crazy, but you know, that happened. So it's like, um, uh, yeah, true, true learning started uh, about eight years ago. And um, it's been what a beautiful ride. It's been, uh, we're lucky to be in the first world to be able to, you know, weather the downs in a comfortable bed because a lot of people who get into business uh, around the planet don't have that luxury. So, yeah, I'm extremely lucky and it's been a really, really cool ride. So for sure. I love that. Um, I noticed you said uh, two years and one month to get out of debt. So um, it's so interesting. The uh, You didn't miss that one month because when you're in debt or you're struggling um, or you're an entrepreneur, I think every day feels like dog years, right? <laughs> so you have to count no, that you, for sure. 100%. Um, and, and I have more appreciation for that in one month and all that kind of stuff because we had a seven-day eviction notice and three days before that deadline, somehow I came up with the money weirdly the universe provides, right? And even the days counted. So <laughs> yeah, the one month counts. I hear you. The, I think the, um, the, the noun, if you will, entrepreneur is akin to the word struggle. Like I, I think they kind of go hand in hand, but I think the struggles that you encounter as an entrepreneur, um, because they're so close to the heart, um, when you come out of that and the struggle is over and you're starting to do well, there's there's nothing like it. It's not the same thing as working for a big co corporation and closing a deal, if you will. I think when you're on your own, every little um, gain you make, every new customer you get, it's it really fills your heart. It's like a bigger celebration because you earned it 100%. Well, and I feel uh, um, traditionally entrepreneurs and those kind of people are not good at recognizing that or celebrating that in the true fashion that it's meant to be celebrated or in the true fashion that we take our, our losses. Um, and I think that has been a learning curve for me to even appreciate um, the things I've done. For sure, that's probably one of the things that, you know, I keep coming back to and it's um, it's a weird sort of I don't know, balance that, that, that I don't know how to, how to, you know, have really. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, 
It's interesting that you say that because I think as entrepreneurs, we are not granted the luxury of that pause or that space and time between wins or losses to digest what's happened and to um, celebrate or lick our wounds or whatever. Um, so for me personally, um, it feels like a roller coaster ride almost every day. You know, I'll have some ups that just like, my adrenaline's going, I feel like a million dollars. And then, you know, I could just get like one email that isn't quite what I thought. And I'm like, like coming right down really fast. You don't, it, it's not, um, it's not a level blood sugar ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, I think, I think, um, over time, probably the thing that entrepreneurship teaches you is that this too shall pass in in every sense of the, of that sentence um even sometimes it feels like it's literally the end of the world and it isn't it just it'll pass and sometimes you feel like it can't get any better than this and you know it it, it does and or it, it changes or it, it just um and and i think what I have learned most of the last couple of years, especially, is that my heart is way smarter than my brain. And I've stopped letting my brain plan things as much and just let my heart do some 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 of its work, which, you know, it hasn't been able to do over the last whatever, 40 years. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I operate at a, a my buzz level, my EQ level is really, really high. Um, so I'm, I'm always leading with my heart, um, more so than anything else. So I actually have found that my best gauge is actually my gut, um, because I'm so heavy on the heart side. Uh, so it's just interesting how we find our way there. Yeah. It's all, uh, it's all a journey, right? It's all, um, there's, sometimes we think that it's a straight line or we think that there's um a destination and there isn't it's like um there's an alan watts quote about if uh there was a destination then a dance would get over in a in a couple of seconds because you land up at the end where you wanted the dance to finish right so um in that spot but that's not how it really works out. So I think that in life in general, I believe mothers are the original entrepreneurs. I've said this way many, too many times that I feel like I'm repeating myself. But I, I repeat myself because I think that people think that entrepreneurship life is hard, but life in general is not a, a roller coaster if you keep thinking about what people go through in general. Um, and sometimes also what people, what we kind of make a you know, mountain out of a molehill out of with the with the right perspective, every mountain can be looked at as a molehill. So um yeah, I, I, I just think that um everyone is an entrepreneur. It just needs to have the right environment to to flourish. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's really it comes down to that. You know, it's interesting to me, um, you know, what, what you just said, it, it makes me want to lean in on the other piece or the other component um, that I s have seen happening uh, in the industry. And uh, I think you also exemplify this. So 
what I have seen over the past year is that those who have uh, decided to take a leap of faith and, you know, go on Upwork or Fiverr or open something of their own or start a podcast or whatever it is they've decided to do, um, they have found um, their village. They have found their tribe they have leaned in on uh, partnering with people. So they work autonomously, but they partner to fill their tank, to augment what they offer without having to learn a whole new vertical. Um, and I think that throughout the years, you did that probably pretty naturally. You have a full team now for for everything that you do with uh, Must Amplify. So you built that, um, and obviously you built a team. But what I'm seeing happen a lot is that the communities that we built during the pandemic are now becoming our partnerships as entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and freelancers. I don't know if you're seeing that as well, but I am starting to see that. Well, it's it's probably trends in the sense that, um, I mean, you know, the pandemic is, you know, a, a trend. It's a it's a it's a it's a thing that everyone kind of goes back to. It'll be like how the GFC was, or uh, different different things in in history that we kind of go back and go, hey, you know, what happened then? Um, and the reason why people are probably partnering like that now in this pandemic after pandemic during pandemic <laughs> i don't know stage is because uh there's been a bunch of people there have been two mainly two kinds of people the people who've kind of evolved or you know changed the way that they did business because uh everything changed so drastically um and then then the others who who didn't or didn't find the opportunity to so uh, that's probably why the partnerships occur, and that's that's the case with with most scenarios in 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 entrepreneurship land at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think partnerships is probably the thing I value the most in 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 entrepreneurship for sure. Like, you can take everything away. You you can't take away the people in my phone book. Like you know, in terms of being able to being able to come back in any capacity and say uh i'm back and i'm back with a new project can you help and then go okay <laughs> there's so much help right so um you know you always have that at the back of your mind and, and i always think about that and and everyone keeps thinking and looking at me and saying and i've heard this way too many times and i keep repeating this as well that i'm on the edge i'm trying new things i'm so breaking the status quo it's so risky as an entrepreneur i it might feel like i'm jumping off the cliff but i have multiple safety lines i know if something doesn't work i have like my wife says ronsley's plan, backup plans have backup plans and that's not a conscious thing in in that's probably the gift in in what people don't realize they kind of see it as adaptation maybe but it's not it's just like my skill is that my brain has all these multiple um safety <laughs> you know safety, nets. Uh, safety yeah safety nets that it creates that it's kind of going okay if you do this and all these things fail 
this is the worst thing that could happen. And even if that happened, there's an opportunity there. How does that, how my brain does that? I don't know, but it's always done that. So that's the skill, not necessarily the adapting in that moment. I feel the prep has already happened in my head. Do you think that was born of um, the half million dollars in debt that you went into like overnight when you lost the business? Like now you make sure that there's all of these uh, gates and safety nets or whatever whenever you enter into something? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So the biggest lesson in entrepreneurship I learned was with the restaurant, I, you know, created something new like I always do that's a trend in my life like I my thesis was never been written before whatever I've done even before uh, getting into entrepreneurship was all new things the stuff that had not been done so my restaurant was I brought together Indian spices and Portuguese flavors my mom and dad <laughs> and I created a restaurant that had never existed before uh, but from the day the doors opened and I could get money coming in, I was already 200 and something grand down because it was a J curve in terms of how that business starts. Cause you got to put all this money in to get everything up and running, right? Including staff and, and all that kind of stuff. So the business model doesn't allow um, for that kind of scalability that we have now in this, in this economy that you're talking about, which is, which if we don't embrace, we're going to, we're going to be in the phase where we say, Oh, I was this person that had this and it didn't work out, but it's going to happen. But the, the evolution here is that, um, there's so many factors changing around us. Like there's only constant around us is change. You know, I think that, um, we were forced to adapt, right? Uh, the pandemic forced everybody. So we're, we're all flexing a new muscle, right? Um, I think it's really important that as an entrepreneur, that you put safety nets in place, that you don't jump into every bright idea that you analyze it and um, you sit with it for a while and then maybe you let your heart or your gut guide a little bit, but make sure um, just from your experience, my experience that you have safety net. I mean, I've, I've had to, you know, truly pivot many times. I mean, I definitely can define that word myself. Um, I know it is overused, but I definitely have done that. And I know you have. So um, that's what we've learned. Like that's the, the best protection you can have is, okay, well, if this doesn't work, what am I doing next kind of thing? I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. Yeah, I, I actually find, find it weird that I used to be the guy that thought that entrepreneurship was risky, um, but it's the safest thing ever. Like it's safer than having a job. 
in any capacity, you know, in any capacity, you take any job on the planet, it's safer to be an entrepreneur than to have a job. Um, and, and I think, I think because of how the environment we educated ourselves in, it doesn't allow us to, to separate the two. Um, the, the environment that you're educated in is purely the environment to, to get a job. Um, it's not the environment to go and live um, and express and create and and sell um it, it it's um it is um pay me for, pay me for what i'm worth but who knows what that is right no one actually can ever tell that so here you actually get paid for what you're worth mm -hmm. i love that thank you for sharing that uh you know what i'd love to just uh tap into a little bit so we our podcast is your your big event, your was your live event became your virtual event. So let me ask you the question, are you going live again? Do you think that um, you will do that? I, I believe that you've grown your community through, um, should I start a podcast podcast through your clubhouse um, and through your following on Facebook. So I have to believe you're at a tipping point to maybe even grow that show even bigger than it was prior to the pandemic. Am I right? Well, it's it's uh it's fascinating. I um haven't recorded or published a podcast episode in a few weeks, probably over a month now. Maybe definitely over a month. Um but I just checked that my podcast got over 20,000 listens in the last month. And that in itself tells me that um, it, it doesn't matter. And one of those podcasts, by the way, I stopped publishing in 2019. So it still gets the listeners. And it's crazy when I think about the fact that, you know, 20,000 people a month are listening to my voice is 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 mental. Um, so I definitely feel like there's a there is a, a, a point where you consolidate. I think that it's time for me to consolidate it all into that's my feeling i don't know what the next steps are yet are yet um but um i think there's been fascinating amount of work that has been done in this space and it's not even hit it's not even the tip of the iceberg in terms of audio like audio is, is i've been saying that for a while but every time every times this new invention that you go you get super excited about mm -hmm. um so we're at this point in in audio that it's really cool to have done so many things inside the audio space that you have the capacity um to which uh we just signed last week is a uh, uh getting me on a on a board and getting equity in companies so getting me into advisory roles which is interesting now that's sort of evolving. So we are podcasts um, we're definitely when uh, we can, we're going to do a live event because uh, that was my most favorite thing to do. I would invite speakers and we would have a speaker retreat at the end of the event here. So, you know, uh, that's how I've made friends like the Pat Flins and the John Lee Dumas's and all of these people came here. Jordan Harbinger has been here four times. Um, and it's just like, that's how I've 
the friend circle has grown is because of we are podcast. So um, yes, in 2020, we changed it to a virtual event, attached a, a membership to the back end of that, um, and you know, created a $200,000 a year company, which is crazy in a pandemic. When you, when you think about that, that in a year we've been able to create that kind of revenue. Um, and so for sure, live event, but how it evolves and come, becomes part of the ecosystem, I'm not really sure yet, Holly, because it's hard to make those decisions when, um, you know, in May, my grandma passed, off, passed away from uh, COVID and I couldn't go back. So it's like, yeah, it's like, um, uh, it's like when the situation where we can't really plan too far ahead, right? It's like um, um, we've got to be in the moment, live the moment, and kind of, kind of, um, uh, you know, deal with whatever comes comes our way. So it's good training, really, entrepreneurship for life. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is uh, really. I'm very sorry for your loss. This has been a difficult time for a lot of people. No. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And and just a week ago, I lost another a really cool, good friend of mine who's Kevin Hutto, who's like probably the marketer who's, in, in, you know, brought some really cool concepts to marketing, uh, again, from COVID. There are lots of people that, you know, are dealing with it in, in different ways. Um, it's a It's been a challenging time for everybody. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just the state of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, um, maybe on a positive note, I would say that the growth of audio has allowed us to get closer to people. And while it's not ideal that we're not together in the same room, we've been able to break bread virtually and still have conversations with our loved ones. So um, the pandemic in a first world situation is kind of interesting. And the growth of audio and the changes in audio have provided uh, interesting interesting transitions if you will like i never thought that i would be talking for hours with people from all around the world uh you know just last week uh singing doing spoken word with countries with every country in the world to close the olympics um you know all of these conversations I'm having with people pinging into private rooms and just having, you know, like, I feel like I'm back in high school, like sitting on the phone talking for hours. Like there's something so beautiful about, um, audio, the human voice, the nuance of it. You and I have spoken about that. So I love all the new tools that are coming in front of us. Um, Sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but I think you know where I was going with that. No, I mean the the pandemic has allowed us to to connect in different ways. So uh, I wanna I wanna say yes to that and say that for the last month, every day for half an hour, my parents, my in laws, and uh, Rochelle's grandmother joins me one thirty my time, nine a.m. their time for half an hour of mobility exercises through WhatsApp, and now it's through Zoom. And again, when I think about the fact that I see my close family every single day and they see me every single day, like it, I can't even that that's just, just mental. And and my 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 father-in-law has got Parkinson's and my um, uh, Rochelle's grandmother is 82 
and it is just the most I can't like they keep saying thank you to me I'm just like dude thank you <laughs> you know um and it's it's like for sure so the the technology the times the situation has allowed us to connect in ways that are like um beautiful and 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 I think it's good it's good it's a good thing because technology is not going to go anywhere right right no it's not you know you had said about some of the people that have done podcasts way longer than you have you had mentioned rob greenlee for example i met him last week in nashville a podcast movement and we had dinner together and drinks together and a lot of conversation and it's just so interesting that um and i think something that i really adore about the community is that there really is no judgment at what point you came into the game of podcasting because everybody's experience there's similarities but the disparities are because of when we came into it and what technology we used at that point so the fact that like i could sit on a panel in your room once a week and i'm fairly new to it compared to you compared to rob but my my voice is heard um, the fact that we can go to an event and we can sit together and have conversations about it and there's so much um synergy i love that like i think it's um i consider myself lucky to be able to um, have those experiences yeah. so i have to say that that kind of situation situation has always been the case inside the podcasting community and it's because of people like rob greenlee dave jackson uh chris kremitzos um that um you know the, we have known how to include other people that have been new it's because of those kind of people cliff ravenscraft that's why i give them credit uh all the time is because um you know when it wasn't cool they showed us how to pave the way so i i give them credit and i also um am very particular about that that part of things because the best thing about our medium is our voices being heard and there's never a time that it shouldn't so um yeah i'm I'm glad for those Mount Rushmore faces of podcasting. <laughs> you know, I have to say, um, I definitely want to give them a shout out here because it is a very warm and um, sh sharing type of community. Um, so I did meet Cliff Ravenscraft, shout out. Uh, he sat down with me for a solid 30 minutes as a complete stranger. I recognized him and went over and introduced myself. And he sat down with me and spoke with me uh, for quite a while, very giving, very generous. Uh, sat in and ate with, with Rob, like I said, and Ever Gonzalez and um, uh, Chris Kremitzos. All the people that you've named, I got to meet. Um, and a few people like uh, John Lee Dumas and Allison Melody are coming on my show now. Um, so it's just such a giving community. I think everybody wants to support each other and share their journey and how they can help. And they want to hear what you're doing, which is kind of cool. You know, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And Cliff Ravenscraft himself has probably um, helped more people start a podcast than a lot of us put together. So 
Hmm. Um, he's quite a legend in the game. Yeah, very generous, very generous soul. I really uh, enjoyed my conversation with him. Um, as much as I enjoy all my conversations with you, because I've had quite a few of them, and um, I can't thank you enough for welcoming me into the community as well, especially in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Holly. It's quite easy to 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 welcome you. So it's not it's not been it's not I've not really gone out of my way to be honest. So um, yeah, no, it's it's good to have you every week. And it's good to hear your voice for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I finally got you on Culture Factor. It's been a busy time for everybody. So I'm glad you were able to park a little time with me tonight. Well, tomorrow morning for you because you're you're in the future. I'm in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a it's been a it's been an interesting time. So I love the fact that so what's the pivot? Tell me about the pivot for Culture Factor. So can we make that part of the conversation? Can we? Make yes, that part we can. So um, as my past listeners, thank you so much for sticking with me, by the way, and my new listeners will learn. Um, Culture Factor spent the past year and a half talking about company culture. And it was definitely a hotter topic than I ever knew it would be because it came on the heels of the pandemic. So everything we knew about company culture was immediately reinvented. Um, everybody was, the whole workforce was fragmented. People were working from home. Essential workers were covering up with <laughs> all sorts of stuff to try and get the work done. Um, it was it was a very interesting time for the C-suite to have to navigate that and figure out how to um, allow leadership to emerge and how to keep the tribe together. And it was a full year of talking to some really um, inventive, warm, and giving leaders that spoke of their struggles. And when I came to... I'm going to say about a month or two ago, um, I realized that there were three uh, main uh, lanes that the conversation took. Um, one being where we are talking from now, where a lot of people were furloughed or did not want to go back to the office or decided to lean in on that you know, passion project of theirs and start a business. So there's that whole gig economy that emerged during the pandemic. There's also the mental health piece of it that there was a lot of burnout, um, a lot of mental health issues. Um, but I didn't feel equipped to continue that conversation because I don't have a background in therapy. And I felt it wasn't really fair to the listeners to try and play a role that um, I might not excavate enough. And then the, the third component was DEI, um, which we know is diversity, equity and inclusion and um, also a really important topic and I felt would be better served by people in the HR space um, that are really navigating it beautifully. Um, so I chose the lane that spoke to me because I'm a three-time <laughs> entrepreneur myself. I've zigged and zagged throughout my life and I'm so excited when I talk to people that are just really creating beautiful things like yourself and that's what i felt i would be best highlighting so mm. culture what factor is now talking about creator culture interesting I, I love those the way you broke broke all of those things down because um i i i 
I couldn't agree more with you on the trends in terms of like those three things being so important. I was actually in New York working out of VaynerMedia um, between, on the 12th of March when everything went crazy. Um, so I was, I watched 1200 people go virtual overnight and I took a flight from JFK to LA with 50 people in the airport of JFK. It was like, it was the craziest thing I've ever witnessed. Um, so the point here is um, a bunch of different things in it, like, I find that sometimes when we come from the world of having a job, which I was, I, um, I, we think that we has to be done in a certain way. And it doesn't break all the rules is what I'm going to say to that. Uh, you are the creator, you, you have the ability to create anything and everything that you really want. You just have to believe that that it that's who you are. And, and we all have that create creator in us. Um, and I, I, I love uh, those parts about um, psycho I mean, over the past year as well, we've been talking about psychology and diversity and inclusion and equality so much on the psychology of entrepreneurship and having conversations with elders and leaders and indigenous elders. It's been and people in on death row and all these different factors has been such a interesting um, sort of conversation to be part of. Um, so I just wanted to leave everyone with that idea of breaking the rules, especially if you're coming into entrepreneurship for the first time, um, like really trust what you're making. No one will know better than the market. Allow the market to dictate that. My story earlier was about the fact that the restaurant was negative already before we opened our doors, but everything after that, I already had an audience for, like I first, first said, I want to do this. Does anyone want it? And then I went and made it rather than the other way around. And that's the biggest thing to learn in entrepreneurship is you might create the best thing. I could have been the best chef on the planet, but if the business model doesn't support it, then it's super hard to be the best chef on the planet and let everyone know that. So um, that's all I wanted to say on, on that creator culture because it could, it could, could be a vicious circle and could be a dark hole sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. And, uh, you know, I think um, a famous line that gets um, put on repeat is to follow your passion. And I think when you're opening a new business, um, of course, there's going to be passion in it, but you need to put infrastructure in place. I frankly don't know any chef that hasn't followed his passion. But if the infrastructure wasn't good, you know, it fell flat. It wasn't um, a reflection of lack of passion. So you really need to uh, put as much in place as you can and understand that it's part passion and part infrastructure. 100%, 100%. Thank you, Ronsley. I really appreciate Thanks, this. This was really nice. Thank you for coming on Culture Factor. Thanks for having me, Holly. Thank you.